Okay, so we have two powerful readings today. In the first reading, Brother Ben read about Isaac, Abraham sacrificing or going to sacrifice his son Isaac, and then Jesus being transfigured. All right, what is the meaning? This is some powerful stuff. You know, you always hear me say that I, I, I'm very much excited that the Lord has given us an opportunity to take you back to seminary with us. And my, besides Christology, my favorite classes in seminary were scripture. And we do what's called an exegesis, not Jesus is in our Lord, but E-X-E, exegesis or G-E-S-I-S, exegesis. And it is a, an analysis of scripture and the connection between the Old Testament and the New. Remember, they always say the New Testament is hidden in the Old and the Old is revealed in the New. And so what's going on here? All right, let's start with Abraham. Now, what's going on with Abraham isn't as much an act of faith, believe it or not, as it is an act of trust. <clears throat> what's the difference? Okay. This took the ultimate trust from Abraham because, okay, Jesus or God promised him that his progeny is going to spread all over the world as far as the stars of the sky and the sands on the seashore. So God makes him this promise and then tells him to kill his only son through which that descendants will come. So if you're Abraham, you're like, well, wait a minute, Lord. You promised me that my descendants will spread through this son as far as the stars or the sands of the shore on the shore. And now you're asking me to kill him? Okay, I trust you. Somehow you're going to do this. Somehow you're going to accomplish this, even if you have to raise him from the dead. But somehow you're going to do it. I trust you. You see, that's what trust is, a living faith. Just like mercy is putting love into action and living love actively, that is what mercy is. Trust is taking your faith and living it. I can have faith that God exists. Yeah, I, I believe God exists, but if I don't live it, then I'm lacking. And when you live that faith, it's because you trust in God. You have trust that it means something. So Abraham <clears throat> is really interesting here. Now, in scripture class, we learn about things called a typology. A typology is where you see something in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfills in the New. He fulfilled hundreds of prophecies and things. Now, some of this first reading, the verses are missing. We read from the book of Genesis, but we didn't read straight through. We read chapter 22, verse 1 and 2, verse 9, verse 10 through 13, and verse 15 through 18. I went back and read the whole thing, though, and there's some important things missing, not from the Bible, but from the reading today. Now, <clears throat> Isaac is a type of Christ. First of all, God keeps calling Isaac his only begotten son. Now, wait a minute. Isaac had two sons. I'm sorry, Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. So why does God call Isaac the only begotten son? Well, first of all, Ishmael ended up being ostracized and was called a wild ass of a man and 
from him came the line of Islam. Isaac, on the other hand, God said, would be the blessing of the nation of Israel, and from him, his progeny would spread. Now, let's look at Jesus and Isaac. This is amazing. Do you know, if you read that whole thing from the beginning of chapter 22 of Genesis, here's what you're going to find. Both, or Isaac, after God commanded Abraham to take Isaac to a place to be sacrificed, they did. And both Isaac and Jesus took a donkey to the place where they were to be sacrificed. Both times, they had men by their side. We didn't hear that in this reading, but it's in the gospel if you read, or the uh, book of Genesis if you read it all the way through. There were two servants that walked on both sides of Isaac. Jesus had two criminals on both sides of him during the sacrifice on the cross. The journey for Isaac and Abraham to the mountain of the sacrifice was three days. Jesus was in the tomb for three days. For Abraham, this three-day journey must have really weighed heavily on his mind, for he knew that in three days his son would be sacrificed. To Abraham, Isaac was as good as dead. Now, to the apostles, for three days, Jesus was as good as dead. Wow. But then Isaac was released from death on the third day. Jesus too knew that he was going to die, and he too was released from the dead on the third day as he resurrected and conquered death. Both Jesus and Isaac carried wood on their back up a hill to be sacrificed. Isaac carried the firewood on his back up the hill. Jesus carried the cross of wood on his back up the hill. Both times God provided a lamb for the sacrifice. For Abraham, this ram or lamb was in the thicket. And for Jesus, or for the New Testament, it was God's only son, the true lamb. That's why we call him the lamb of God, his own son. Both Jesus and Isaac were fastened and placed on the wood to be sacrificed. They were both laid upon the wood. Isaac was going to be a burnt offering. Jesus was placed upon the wood to be sacrificed. Now, here's something interesting that I learned in seminary and I had never heard before or since. Do you know that the Jews believed, and actually Josephus, a historian, accurate historian, who wrote a lot about Jesus, wrote that Isaac was an adult. This is fascinating. That his, his age is never given here. The Bible never says how old Isaac is. Isaac's age is never given, but the Jews and Josephus believed that he was an adult and allowed himself to be bound willingly. Jesus was bound 
willingly. Then a ram's head was caught in a thicket of thorns. Jesus' head was wrapped in a thicket of thorns. The lamb of the Old Testament, the new lamb, Jesus Christ. This is amazing. So Jesus fulfills this because the difference is Isaac didn't go through with the sacrifice and the death. Jesus did it for them. Jesus dies so we don't have to. Isaac was going to be the sacrifice. Abraham was preparing for it. The penalty for sin is death. He said, I want him to be a burnt offering. Yet Jesus fulfills this. Incredible. Abraham was willing to not spare his only begotten son. It says this in the Old Testament. Twice it says, your only begotten son. Who is Jesus? The only begotten son. So God stopped Abraham before he took it out, seeing his living faith. This is powerful. So Abraham, who was not, or excuse me, Abraham, who was willing to not spare his only begotten son, like God the Father, God saw this and stopped it, seeing his living faith. What is a living faith? Trust. It's not just having faith that God exists or belief, it's living it. And so this living trust is what God saw in Abraham and he stopped the sacrifice. Now, Adam sent curses to mankind. No offense, ladies, but because he listened to his wife. <laughs> and so Adam didn't listen to God. He listened to his wife and mankind got in trouble. So husbands, you have an excuse here. There's one time and only one time you don't listen to your wife is when you say, I'm listening to God. <laughs> Hopefully the two are together. Hopefully the two do not contradict one another. And so Adam sent curses because he didn't listen to God. Now mankind will be blessed those curses will be undone because Abraham listened to God. And Isaac, Abraham's the father, and Isaac is the son, and the father was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son, Abraham was. And this like God the father for the sacrifice of his only begotten son so that mankind can be blessed. It's amazing. Now Isaac will live. And his seed will be multiplied throughout the world as far as the stars of the sky and the sands on the seashore. And now through the sacrifice of Jesus, his body and blood will give life for as far as the stars of the sky or the sands of the seashore. But this is eternal life, not the life on earth. See the difference? Abraham and Isaac were regarding life will spread here on earth. Jesus' sacrifice of his body and blood will spread life eternally forever in the kingdom of heaven. Now, to prepare 
this, the apostles, now we get to, let's go to the transfiguration. Let's go to the New Testament now. Now to prepare the apostles for this sacrifice, because we were talking about Jesus now being sacrificed, but so the apostles wouldn't be scandalized and completely distraught. They were somewhat, but so they weren't completely distraught. Jesus prepared them so that they wouldn't lose all hope. He transfigured before them in glory. What happened? Jesus took three apostles, Peter, James, and John. And I've only been to the Holy Land one time, but I was standing up on the Mount Tabor. And it's surreal. And so the apostles here now are brought up. Jesus takes them to show them how high they will be raised. He took them to the top of a mountain. This is how high you will be raised to experience the Trinity if you believe in me. And not just believe, put your faith in me into action, trust in me. That's why Jesus said that it had to go on the image of divine mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. Now, at the mountain, Jesus consults with the Father, Moses and Elijah, Moses of the law, Elijah of the prophets. Now, what happens here? Jesus consults the father like Moses did on Mount Sinai to make sure that he did the will of the father. So basically, Jesus went up to the mountain to say, what do you want me to do? I always do your will, father. Now we ask ourselves, <clears throat> if we went up to the mountain would we ask to do God the Father's will or our will? Most of the time we do our will. Then, like Moses, Jesus was illuminated. Remember on Mount Sinai? Moses was illuminated. His face shined. And now Jesus is illuminated with a great light. It's almost like I read um, some uh, thing this morning, some commentary. It says, it's, it's like Jesus is the New Testament version of the burning bush. That's awesome. Now, what's going on here? So if we do God's will in this life, we will be illuminated with a great light in heaven. Do you know that's what the saints tell us it's like in heaven? We will have our relationships, but it'll all be secondary compared to God. Well, I wouldn't say secondary. We're all part of the body of Christ. So it's all perfected. All relationships will be perfected. And how you will see each other is you will shine with a certain amount of light. This is what the saints tell us heaven will be like. Now, others describe it as a big football stadium, okay? And you know that there are front row seats on the 50-yard line, and there are nosebleed seats, but everybody is happy to be there. Now, the greatest of those in virtue who surrendered their will to God will be like those down on the 50-yard line on row one for the closeness to God. There are levels of heaven. The others are just happy to get there because maybe they didn't fulfill completely, but yet they did believe and live that faith to some amount. They were able to be saved, avoided mortal sin, died in a state of grace. They will make it. But the amount of the light with the ones that are closer to God will shine is brighter and so in heaven, certain souls will shine brighter than others. 
and the amount of light that we shine and the brightness is how much we reflected Christ on earth. So let Christ shine through you. Let his light shine through you so that you can be reflecting Christ to others in this world. I think that is amazing. Now, here's the point. Everyone will be happy because you will be filled to the amount that you're capable of receiving, the amount of grace. Now, if so-and-so is filled with this much grace and the other person is filled with this much grace, they're both happy because they're both filled to their brim. The goal in this world, though, is to make your vessel bigger so that you can receive more graces to live in eternity and shine brighter. How do you take your vessel from being this big to being a vessel this big? Trust. Jesus said, trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. You want to get to heaven? Yes, I do too. We need to have grace. Well, okay, I want to get to heaven. You need grace, okay? Grace is the vessel, excuse me, trust is the vessel by which all grace is received. So the more you trust, the more grace you will receive. The more grace you will receive, the brighter you will shine in heaven. How do you trust? Surrender. Trusting. I did a talk yesterday, Saturday, on uh, finding the Eucharist. You can find it on our YouTube channel, where the Eucharist is in um, Scripture. And I, I thought it was going to be just uh, what I felt was, yeah, this, you know, hopefully this will generate some interest. I felt at the end of that more grace of the Holy Spirit than I think any talk I've ever done. And, and, and it was surprising to me. And, and, and it's like, why? Well, because that's our whole source and summit of our faith. And in it, I talked about being filled at Cana when the, when the empty jars are empty. We are like those jars at Cana. And we empty ourselves because that way God can fill us to the brim. And when we're filled to the brim, God's divine wine, like at Cana, can work in us. Now we are so broken. Our vessels are full of holes. And, and so the more we trust, the more that that vessel can collect grace. Is it easy? No. It's the hardest thing in the world. We trust ourselves. Um, this is what saints are. When they get to that level of trust that, that, that is maximized. Um, I'm not there yet. Most of us probably aren't there yet. But we're work in progress. We keep trying. Remember, uh, St. Therese said, saints are simply sinners that keep on trying. Well, you know, that gives me hope. Because, man, am I broken? Am I a sinner? But I, there's one thing I can offer to the Lord. I keep trying. I went into a confessional once, and the priest said, you know, I gave this confession. He says, you're a good man. I said, well, Father, you don't even know me. He says, I don't have to know you. The very fact that you're here. The only time you have to start worrying is when you stop trying. Not so much that you're perfect or you're not broken or you don't lose or you, you, you have impatience or gluttony or, or whatever it is. Yeah, work on those, but never stop trying. The more you try, the more you trust. The more you trust, the more grace you can receive. The more grace you receive, the brighter you will shine in heaven. Man. Powerful stuff. All right. So to finish, in the Jewish belief, Isaac, I'm sorry, Elijah 
would be the herald of the Messiah and he would announce the coming of the Messiah and be accompanied by Moses. This is what's going on here. Christ fulfills this. He is the Messiah heralded by Elijah and accompanied by Moses. So Jesus is fulfilling all this Old Testament prophecy. Now, what happens? The Trinity is revealed. I was amazed when I did a talk, another talk of several months ago on the Trinity. I was shocked at how much rebuttal I got, emails, comments, that God's not a Trinity. Now, at first I thought, well, this is crazy. But then I thought, no, this is good. Because it means non-Catholics, even non-Christians, are joining us for these live streams and listening to these messages. And how beautiful is that? Well, God, it says nowhere in the, in the Bible is Trinity mentioned. Yeah, the word Trinity isn't mentioned, but God revealed himself as Trinity right here in the transfiguration. He, the father's voice, it said, well, there's the father, said, this is my son. My beloved son. Well, there's the, the son. And then it says, and then the Holy Spirit, the cloud. It shows the Holy Spirit, this cloud. Why? Because like a cloud, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary at the Annunciation. And like the cloud, there was a pillar of cloud that led the Israelites out of Egypt. The Holy Spirit is active. Now, like the words of the baptism, our baptism, the Father says, or sorry, like the words of the baptism that uh, Jesus uh, as an adult would go through, this is my son. Listen to him. Now, this shows that Jesus just isn't a conquering Messiah, but he's the living Torah. He took the word. This is why yesterday in my talk, I talked about Jesus took five barley loaves and multiplied them into something greater. Those five barley loaves represented the five books of the Pentateuch because he's the new Moses. He went up to the mountain. So Jesus is the new Moses, takes these five books of the Old Testament, makes them greater. Five barley loaves of, of bread made them greater to feed the people the real stuff. Now, the incarnation of God's word is who Christ is. So he fulfills the law by not being a written word, but a living word amongst us, listen to him. All right, now to finish the transfiguration, help these apostles to see the glory of Jesus through the shame that we're going to see in the cross. Basically, the crown beyond the cross. The glory beyond the cross. Now, earlier, Jesus in his actions, inferred he was God, but now the veil is lifted. Jesus' is divinity is shines through his humanity. This is what's happening here. Remember, and I read this this morning, if Jesus was only divine, he can't touch us. If he's only human, he can't save us. Hence, the God-man, his splendor is in both amazing. This is to me so much. And I remember reading about this. The transfiguration is basically preparing them for his death and resurrection and his permanent state of glory. And so we too can have this illumination right here on earth.
Our divinization begins here at the Mass. Remember the three great acts of mercy are present in the Mass, creation, redemption, and divinization. What is divinization? Sharing in the divine life of God. You begin it right now at the Mass through either your spiritual communion or receiving Holy Communion. So, what prefigures total union with God in heaven? The Mass here on earth. As Scott Hahn says, the Mass is heaven on earth. And that glory that we will have in heaven was just shown to us by Jesus in the Transfiguration. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.